Welcome to Friday Friends. I'm Sandro at only Sandro on Instagram, Twitter. As always, with my friend Ani, Ani Shree23, Instagram and Twitter as well. NBA draft last night. And uh, you know what? Me and Ani were like, we need to invite one of our friends on. And so that's why we have Dan Servadidio with us. He is writer and contributor to Fantasy Alarm. You can find him on Twitter. Dan underscore Servo Didio, S-E-R-V-O-D-I-D-I-O. Welcome to Friday, friends, Dan Servo Didio. I appreciate that, guys, and thanks for uh, spelling out my last name. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little tough, but, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely going to give you some love on Twitter and on the page yeah. and at, uh, you know, Everywhere that we post Friday, friends. Uh, so we brought you on for the NBA draft. Thank you for making time to come on. Uh, right off the top, what's the biggest takeaway from last night's NBA draft? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on, um, especially with all the trades and stuff. I'm still, you know, I was looking at it this morning, and I still don't know, like, where every player went because there were so many trades. It's just the, the fact that they make these players put on hats of a different team is insane. Um like and then like ESPN, if you're watching the coverage, just kind of um, they they didn't make it easy on you either. Um, but anyway, besides all that, I thought it was interesting to see some of the players that got taken earlier than I thought, and then some of the players that just fell down the boards. Um, I guess teams didn't have great draft grades on them. Um, Ani, your team took Roy Hachimura at nine. I thought. He would be farther down in the first round. Um, definitely went a little earlier than I thought. I thought the Wizards would go with kind of a, you know, maybe a more safer player because Hachimura could go one of two ways, in my opinion. Um, but he could be a beast. And he could be, you know, people are, we were talking about this the other day, Ani. People are kind of comparing him maybe to like the, the next Giannis. You know, that's kind of his ceiling. Um, but there, there's honestly a risk there. Because he's he's he could be a little undersized for the position to be playing in the NBA, um, but yeah, guys like Hachimura and the two picks later, the T Wolves got um, the or the Suns rather got Cameron Johnson from North Carolina. He was you know eleven is a lot earlier than I thought he would go. I thought he'd go later in the first round. Um, Chumo Kiki for Auburn went at sixteen overall. I thought he might even fall to the second round. Uh, he he was a beast in college, but he tore his ACL at the, at the tournament. Um, so he's got you know kind of a redshirt year this year probably. But um, so I guess those three players just going a lot earlier than I thought. And then when you look down at the end of the first round, a few guys I thought would definitely go higher in the first round. Um, one was Nestor Little for North Carolina. Um, he was he was kind of like a you kind of got lost in the shuffle on a really good North Carolina team last year. Um, the Trailblazers took him at 25, but he, he was just kind of like, a, he was, he's always been a great prospect since he came out of high school. But again, he just, you know, North Carolina was really good and there was depth everywhere. And he just couldn't really make a, a mark on the team. Kind of like Cam Reddish of Duke just kind of got lost with, with everyone that was good around him. Uh, but he's he's got the talent and, and potential there, and the you know, Trailblazers twenty five kind of kind of grabbed him there. Uh, so yeah, I guess those are a few of my my key takeaways. Yeah, man, I'm glad that you brought up Rui Hachimura here. Um, that the Wizards took here at nine, and Cam Johnson at eleven. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we know what we're getting out of here from Zion, John, RJ. They've been a talk of the town here for the past couple months, especially after the tournament. But um, rounding out the rest of the top ten, we had. DeAndre Hunter go to the Hawks at four. Jarius Garland go to the Cavs at five. Jarrett Culver to the T-Wolves. Kobe White to the Bulls. Jackson Hayes to the Pelicans. And Reddish to the Hawks. Out of those names, who got the best pick outside of the top three there in the top ten and who reached the most? Yeah, I think I think the Pelicans might have reached a little bit with Jackson Hayes. Um, he He's another guy that went a little higher than I expected. Um, but the Pelicans obviously were high on on what he could bring to the center position, especially alongside Zion Williamson, and and kind of lets. It's one thing I was worried about Zion uh, coming in the league. Actually, was just how 
he would do against, you know, NBA bigs because, you know, he dominated in college, but how he would actually do against, you know, people that are bigger than him or people that are the same size as him. Um, and with, with a guy like Hayes playing the true center position and letting Zion play, you know, power forward or even some small forward, let's, we'll see what the Pelicans do with, you know, you know, Brandon Ingram and, and what the rest of the roster, but, I think having Hayes there with Zion is going to be really interesting because it's going to let Zion just have a little bit less pressure and be the more, you know, kind of scorer. And he won't have to play as much defense as as maybe people thought he might have, um, just kind of being the guy for the Pelicans. But because, um, you know, the Pelicans, they had that fourth overall pick that they got from the Lakers and they ended up trading down um, to get to get more assets, but traded down with the Hawks. Uh, but getting Hayes, they obviously were high on him because they felt like they could get him later, but still, you know, didn't want to fall too far back. Maybe they thought uh, one of these other teams would grab him. I think that's going to be an interesting spot. And then the other really interesting pick is the Cavs at five taking Darius Garland. Um, they already have Colin Sexton in the mix at point guard and, uh, you know, adding another kind of true point guard in Garland. Um, I, I've seen this comparison on Twitter and stuff last night and today is, you know, maybe the Cavs are trying to take a path that the Trailblazers have done with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum kind of having two you know, guards that can play both point guard and shooting guard roles. And maybe the Cavs are trying to do that with Garland um, and Sexton. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, you know, the Cavs, yeah, just real quick, the Cavs had a really interesting draft taken because they, they took Garland, which is a little of an unknown pick because he only played five games in college. Um, he's got insane potential, but you just really don't know what kind of player he is because he didn't play against college competition, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and coming off that injury. But then the Cavs, you know, they later in the first round, they made some trades and, and got two uh, picks at the end of the first round. They took Dylan Windler from Belmont. And Kevin Porter Jr. from USC, also both guys that have great potential, but also a little bit of an unknown and a little risk because um, Windler coming from Belmont, just the, you know that whole small conference feel. Um, you know he dominated uh, at Belmont and you know was one of the best players in the country in college, but just coming to you know the next level, just making that leap. It's I think he can do it, um, but the same thing with Porter was a great high school prospect, but at, at USC last year got suspended, had some injuries um, and just, you know, didn't seem interested in already looking towards the NBA, which is a little risky. I mean, you can't blame him, but um, you, you don't like that attitude from, from players. It's probably why he fell so far and he could have, he could have uh, gone a little higher, but yeah, interesting draft from the Cavs here. Yeah, I mean, I was really high on Colin Sexton last year, so I'm interested to seeing what he does with Garland this year. We're joined by Dan Servadidio here. You can find him on Twitter at Dan underscore Servadidio, S-E-R-V-O-D-I-D-I-O, writer, contributor for the Fantasy Alarm. And I'm glad you brought up the Zion playing alongside Jackson Hayes comparison because I've been going around town here for a while now, throwing out the hot take that Zion's going to be a bust. I'm sure that's what the Pelicans and New Orleans faithful want to see, but... When I mean bust, I mean when you get drafted as the number one overall pick, you're expected to be superstar, all-star every season. You know what I mean? But I honestly don't see him achieving that. I see him more of as a ceiling being a Blake Griffin and floor being more of a Julius Randle type. I think he's undersized playing the five. I think he's a little bit too fat, to be honest, overweight to be playing the three. So... (laughs) How is he going to – I think he's kind of stuck in that power forward position for his entire career, but I'm, I'm just interested seeing what you think about that um, take I'm throwing out there. Yeah, the honey with the hot take here. Um, it, it's funny you said fat because I instantly thought of all the pictures that I've seen of him next to Booger McFarland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I – dude, I, I, I kind of agree with you, man. Um, this is – I thought it was funny last night, uh, David Griffin, the, the president or GM or whatever of the Pelicans, um, had his press conference, you know, introing just what, 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 what he did in the draft. And he tried to make it clear. He was like, Zion is not the savior of this team. 
uh, of this franchise. You know, we just want him to get him acclimated and stuff. Like, he's already trying to downplay the hype that Zion has gotten, which is impossible because... You never want to say that. No, yeah, and you don't want to start out that way. And, and it's impossible because this guy has been the best, uh, I mean, the most hyped prospect since LeBron. I mean, he's bigger than what Anthony Davis was a few years ago. Um, I, I, I think this time last year, um, when I was kind of watching, you know, getting ready for the college basketball season, mm-hmm. I was watching some of these, some of these, uh, you know, hype or, or just these prospect recruiting videos of Zion, RJ Barrett, some of these other top freshmen, incoming freshmen. And Barrett just seemed like he could be the better prospect and even this year at Duke, there were games where, you know, you you could see Barrett had the complete package to even translate to the NBA, um, the way the NBA is right now. And like you mentioned with Zion, he's he's a little undersized. You know how dominant he was um, in college. He's he's gonna have a tough time with, especially if he's um, playing the power forward most times. Um, he's going to have trouble kind of, you know, trying to guard some of these guys in the paint. Um, I, I think, and yeah, Hayes will, Jackson Hayes will help uh, for sure. But I mean, he's, I, I think there's a, there's a good chance Zion, you know, five years from now, he's not the best player in this draft. Um, you know, when it's all said and done, I think, I think there's like numerous other players that could, that could make that leap above him just because of all the hype he's got. So we just talked about Zion, you know, a guy who got drafted. You said he's undersized. How about a guy who didn't get drafted, who isn't undersized? UCF center, Taco Fall, did not get drafted. 7'6", you know, tall guy, right? Do you think an NBA team will end up picking this guy up? Can he be an NBA player in the near future? Yeah, uh, it's that was interesting to me. I thought he might be taken in the second round as kind of a flyer. Um, I thought, I actually thought he might be a little safer than, than bull bull from Oregon um, who got taken in the second round and kind of fell down the board, you know, fall taco fall is real, is real, uh, you know, uh, an interesting project because I watched him a good amount in college. And I think everyone's seen like the high school videos and just dominating like little white dudes. Um, but he was like, he was, He's seven six, and and besides his height, at times he just looked very awkward. You know, not realizing his full potential. I mean, you're seven six, dude. Just dunk on everyone and swat every shot. But there were times. I mean, he just kind of he just kind of got back down, even by obviously smaller players um, on defense. And then on offense, he just, you know, you just want him to, like, tell him to, like, dude, go. I can't imagine being his coach, because like, at UCF, because you just want to tell him, like, dude, just dunk on him. Like, what are you doing? Right. Um, and honestly, so Taco Vol kind of reminds me of um, uh, Boyan Marvon, uh, Boban Marjanovic, who was on the Sixers last year. And uh, I watched him a lot as a Sixers fan, and he – at times you just watch him and you're like, dude, why aren't you so much better? Because you're so big. Um, but you're, he just looks awkward with his size and, you know, his footwork is good at times. It's the same thing with taco fall. Um, sometimes you just want to, you just think he should be better. And the other quick thing with fall is, and we saw this when UCF made their NCAA tournament run and almost beat Duke actually, um, fall, it gets, he gets into foul trouble so easily. Um, because like I said, he's, he's just a little awkward and it doesn't have total control over, over his body and everything. It might get a little over aggressive trying to block a shot or, or, uh, you know, drive to the rim and he picks up quick fouls and, um, and he's, he's, you know, there's a lot of games in college where he was, you know, late in the game or for most of the second half, he was sitting because, you know, he's in foul trouble or, um, or just, you know, he, he's also not a great free throw shooter. So, it, you know, the, the coaches would sit him in crunch time because, you know, you know, they want to get him, you know, hack a fall or whatever and uh, and ultimately lose the game. So, yeah, I think 
some team will pick him up though because he could you know we'll see him in the summer league i think someone will pick him up and he'll be playing and and maybe get a, a you know short contract or, or just hang out in the g league until he gets his chance but you know he's, i think he's comparable like i said to boban yeah, I'm glad that you brought up here Taco Fall falling out of the draft and Bowl Bowl falling deep into the second round. And that brings me to, do you think that the NBA draft and the way NBA scouts are looking at these players is evolving? I mean, are they getting more into the analytics like baseball is with the Sabre metrics? Because in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, if a guy was above seven feet tall, he was an automatic lock to being a top 15 pick. Now are scouts looking more for like, does he have, like, talent? Does he have skill around the rim? What are his post moves? Can he rebound? Is he a good on-ball defender? Because if this was, like, 2005 and Taco Fall was in the draft, I guarantee he probably would have been a top-10 pick. Yeah. I mean, that's – yeah, you're, you're totally right. Because I think the way, also the way the NBA is now with – I think the Warriors, with the way they've been playing with these small-ball lineups and, you know, they, they're, they're playing Draymond Green at the five – um, I think that that kind of big in the NBA is becoming a lot more popular where guys like Bull Bull, you know, Taco Fall, um, even like we were mentioning with Jackson Hayes, um, some of these guys are just not as valuable because of the fact that they can't play that small ball center role and switch on to smaller guards right. and guard and guard the perimeter. Or even, you know, guy like Taco Fall, Bobo has a little bit of a shot, but a lot of these bigs don't have three-point shooting, um, which is kind of just, it's just not valuable at all in, the, in our current NBA. Um, right, the stretch four, the stretch five is what the talk of the town is. You got Marc Gasol and Brooke Lopez launching threes in the playoffs. Exactly. Uh, yeah, when you see that, I mean, it, it just shows you how, how valuable it is. You know, I, I, I've seen this with, with Joel Embiid with the Sixers. I mean, he's, he's trying to take so many threes because I think he knows and the coaches are probably telling him, like, if you want to stay in this league and stay um, with us and, and be this, this kind of star, you need to have this three-point shot and it needs to be a threat. And he's probably thinking that. And, you know, it, just kind of relating him to the to the draft, I think, I think players like Bull Bull with these small injury concerns also are kind of you know shying people away from him after they saw they see him bead with all these nagging injuries as a taller player. Um, and, and same thing with Taco Fall. Maybe maybe teams think it, it's coming for him. So joined by Dan Servidio writer, contributor for Fantasy Alarm and Wager Alarm. And hey, let's look ahead at some of the. Uh, the odds for the 2019-2020 season, uh, NBA Rookie of the Year odds. We have, of course, Zion, minus 450. Uh, ja Moran at plus 450. RJ Barrett, plus uh, 450 as well. Is, is there anyone besides Zion that you think that could be Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I, I mean... So Zion, I haven't looked at it, but Zion is the only one with neg- uh, as the favorite, like negative odds. As of right now, yes. I probably wouldn't take that. I mean, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, he's the hype just might be way too big for him. And we uh, this Pelicans team, I, I just don't know what to expect from them because they they still have Drew Holiday. You know, they got all these players from the Lakers. We could see any one of those guys, you know, Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram kind of develop into, you know, the, the leading scorer in the team. And Zion might just kind of fill a role player um, kind of, you know, in his first year as he kind of gets his feet under him. Um, I would not bet on Zion. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I would I would look at John Morant for sure because he's, you know, the, the Grizzlies just traded away Mike Conley and he's John Morant's going to fill in, you know, right there to be, the the score first point guard for the for the Grizzlies this season, um, I think him. And, and if you just look at you know kind of where where some players landed, I, I like him. I like Kobe White for the Bulls. If he if he I know they have Chris Dunn there as a point guard, but if he kind of takes over that starting point guard role um, from Dunn, because Dunn's I mean he's he's been up in the air recently, but. I think Kobe White has a chance if he just kind of puts on this scoring show like we saw from uh, Trey Young this year, kind of emerges as one of those guys. Um, 
I, I would I would be interested in him. Uh, you know, R.J. Barrett again is. We all know what the Knicks are going to do. Um, you could get him at value right now, I guess, betting on him because if the Knicks kind of strike out and don't get, um, you know, a, one of the one of these stars, I think they they could get. Probably, they'll probably get Kevin Durant, but like if they don't get any of these stars, then Barrett, you know, could be the best player, um, you know, or, or at least their top scorer this season. We'll see, but uh, I do like John Moran. I think he'd probably be my top pick, though. Yeah, Jaws, my pick actually. I tweeted that immediately. He was drafted to win Rookie of the Year's odds are at plus four fifty. The other guys you mentioned, Kobe White, plus three thousand. So there's value on that. You know, a little wow. ten dollar bet on that right now nets you three hundred come next wow. time this year. And R.J. Barrett also plus four fifty, similar to Moran. Uh, last one for me, real quick here. We do live in the United States, so we get to watch all these players playing college. But what about these three European players as well? Goga, who was drafted by the Pacers, Samanich, who was drafted by the Spurs, and Dumbaya. Do you have any insight on them and if they can impact the game, similar to how maybe Giannis impacted the game coming over from Greece a few years ago? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, I think getting ready for this draft, I definitely checked out those three guys and a couple others that fell uh, into the second round later. But yeah, Dumbaya, Dumbaya uh, I, I think when I watched him, he doesn't have a great shot. He's he's really good at crafty driving to the lane and, and uh, playing from the wing, kind of like Giannis was entering the league. And I think that's why. But you know, he's still a risk though because you really don't know with these guys how they're gonna how they're gonna be coming into the NBA. Just with you know every everybody being a lot better, the talent level. Um, but I mean, he's he's a great. He's a great flyer, especially at 15. I actually think that's the same exact pick that Giannis was taking um, back in his draft. He, you know, he's going to be interesting to, to see how he how he fits in and if he kind of gets bigger with his size, like Giannis did, put on a lot of muscle um, and just kind of becomes a, a you know more complete player. Um, Goga Batadze, I think as I say, um, he. He's kind of like your your you know your regular European big you know your your kind of stereotype there because he's you know he's got great uh, offensive moves and, and passing in the paint you know from the block um, and he can stretch the floor with his three point shooting uh, kind of you know your 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 ideal European big that we see now in the modern NBA um, you know you, you know you see a guy like. Nikola Jokic, uh, kind of the ceiling for someone like this because he can do kind of, you know, he's got all phases of the game. The only thing like Jokic, though, that Goga kind of lacks is that strength and athleticism to be, you know, a dominant center. Um, and he kind of has that, you know, that soft body kind of feel, um, which is which is good and bad because he knows his limits and he knows – you know, he, he's not going to be this great shot blocker every time down the floor, but, you know, he's he, he can he can definitely surprise you with his craftiness. What I've seen from um, he's from uh, from Republic of Georgia, um, went to the Pacers at 18. I, you know, he's it'll be interesting. Same thing. You know, Samanich is going to be is going to be um, real interesting playing alongside LaMarcus Aldridge for the Spurs. Um if they use both of them together, you know, it'll allow Aldrich to kind of be, you know, playing him in his more natural power forward position. Um, whereas Samanich, they might use it more of a center and, uh, you know, more for his defense. Um, but and kind of, kind of like that, also another scoring um, three point threat. Uh, on the wing alongside, you know, their guard help there. You know, all three of those guys, I mean, the thing with these these foreign players, and I think it's it's interesting. In past drafts, we've seen some of these guys go, you know, you know, higher in the lottery. Um, but these, you know, these three guys, I think they're all kind of risky, but they they do have the upside. Great stuff from Dan Servadidio. And before I have you go, um, I have a, a football question for you. Out of these dominant teams in the NFL. Who do you think will win their division? The Cowboys, the Giants, or the Redskins? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I think you you forgot a team there, didn't you? 
I, I'm not sure. I'm not a fan of anyone in the uh, in the NFC East. So if there's any team you could think oh, of, yeah, sure, let me know. Yeah, your team just you know cries about replay and stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, we're right. Reviewable, which is now reviewable, which is going to make the sport even more unbearable to watch in the last two minutes. So real quick. I know, right? As our, uh, as our Phillies guy and who we're hoping to have on throughout the duration of Friday Friends throughout the NFL season, give us a preview of the Eagles. I mean, Wentz is healthy. Okay, that's it. Let's wrap it up here. That's a great preview of the Philadelphia Eagles. Ani's a Redskins fan. No, I, I mean, Wentz is the healthy. The ghost of Nick Foles lives on. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. What about the backfield? That's really what I care about. And uh, we're fantasy football guys. What's what's going on with this Eagles backfield? Um. Yeah. It's. I mean. The, yeah. The, between Howard and Sanders, uh, I'm leaning Sanders to be the guy this year. I think. I think uh, some people have said it too, and I, I I agree with most people saying that. Um. It's going to be confusing at first because of how the Eagles have used their running backs. But I, I've like kind of come around on the fact that um, Doug Peterson came, you know, came from the Andy Reid school, of the offense where Andy Reid kind of did this. But if he had a three down back that could be the guy, um, like he had in Kareem Hunt, um, Reid had it with with uh, Brian Westbrook with the Eagles. He had it with Deuce Staley with the Eagles. Um, and we'll see what he does this year with the Chiefs. But if he has that three down back, and I think Doug Peterson can do this, he just hasn't had that guy in his in his years with the Eagles. But I think they drafted Sanders because they think he can be that kind of cream hunt three down back uh, for the Eagles. I think by week five, maybe, um, Sanders, once he gets used to the offense and everything, will will be kind of that three down back and – Jordan Howard will be the goal line guy um, and short yardage guy. Um, I think both have good value for fantasy, though, and I think especially where they're being drafted because a lot of people are low on them. Great stuff again, Servo. Thanks for joining us. You could find Servo's work at Fantasy Alarm, Wager Alarm. Find him on Twitter at Dan underscore Servodidio, S-E-R-V-O-D-I-D-I-O. Once again, thanks again, and we hope to have you on soon, man. Yeah, thank you both. I appreciate you bringing me on, and uh, yeah, let's do it again soon. Awesome. Peace. Great stuff from Dan Servidio joining us, and uh, you know, he's our, he's our Eagles guy. We, we're going to go to him a lot for the Eagles. We talked a lot of NBA with him. Um, I, I actually want to stay in the NBA for a little bit. Did you see Steph's new game show? Holy moly, yes. I believe it's called the Putt Putt Championship. Yes. Did you watch it? I have it? not seen a single second of it. I haven't watched it, but I saw some highlights and it looks pretty funny. I I might go back and watch it. Um I saw a highlight of a of a woman getting hit by a windmill and getting launched into like a, a lake. Uh, so I don't know if Steph wants to be there. I saw a highlight where he's kind of like giving away this golden putt putter and uh did not seem interested in being on stage, but um, it, it seems like one of those fun shows to watch, like uh, Ninja Warrior, or uh, I forget the name of this other game show, but it's people kind of like running around through obstacles and getting launched into water and stuff. But uh, Wipeout? It might be Wipeout. Or something like yeah, that. I so, think it was Wipeout. So it's kind of like Wipeout with golf, obviously. There there was like a robot putting that, and the, who the, the robot kind of determined who got to uh you know play first so uh it twitter has had kind of gave it a good review i mean people have wrote like i don't know who steph curry is but i love the show what people said that on twitter i don't know who steph curry is but i love the show yeah wait let's go but that's that's the talking point but it's it's more of like grandmas you know like that are watching abc or whatever network this is i think it's abc so it's it it seems like a fun show to watch. I don't know how long it can last. I don't know if it will keep interest, but um, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see the obstacles that they build for this this game. Yeah, I mean, I've, I hope it lasts long enough for me to be on this show so I can win um, all the money. I'm, I mean, my only competitor probably would be my roommate here, Esteban, who claims he's a putt-putt champion himself. But head-to-head, I've defeated him in every putt-putt uh, competition we've had and i'm clearly the better physical specimen so all these obstacles here i would dominate at for sure but t- 
talking about winning money, we got some news this week that there's a new $100 billionaire uh, joining the club, which only is Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos at the moment. Bernard Arnault, a businessman in France, is now the third richest man in the world. His fortune is now at $100.4 billion. He's the chairman of LVMH, which I Googled because I had no idea what that was. It's like chairman of all the like luxury goods like Louis Vuitton and stuff like that. But um, that's pretty incredible that there's now three people in the world with their fortune at over $100 billion. So that that brings up the question, Ani, what would you do if you had a hundred billion dollars? I mean, this is probably a foolish investment, but I would probably buy a sports franchise because it would be absolutely cool to own a sports franchise. Um, I'd probably lean towards the NFL because the NFL is where the money is made. It is the number one sport in the United States and is highly profitable, especially if you have a big market team. But yeah, that's probably where I would lean. And then I would make myself GM too. So owner, GM, whatnot. Cool. Maybe director of player personnel and head coach. I'd be the first to do all four. Would you buy a current franchise or you w- would you wait until they open up an expansion team? That's a very good question. Um, so if I was to buy a current franchise, what, what, what's the cheapest franchise right now to buy, would you think? Uh, like before we look at it here, I would guess the Bills. I don't, I feel like the Bills are, because of their run in the 90s, you know, like, I feel like the Bills are actually a little bit more expensive than we would think, or like, uh, what's, the, what's the key word here? Um, most gross, nah, I'm, I'm blanking on the, on the statement here, but let's see, what, what team would I buy? Maybe like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe that's a team that's not, or the Jacksonville Jaguars, potentially. I, I'd do it, I'd buy any NFL franchise, to be honest, anybody. Just to have my own team would be pretty cool. I'm trying to look it up right now. Of course, the list I brought up isn't in order. So, uh, I mean, the Raiders are under a billion, but they're moving. So that that could always change. Vegas, baby. The Lions are under a billion. I would never invest in the Lions. Let me take that back. Not any NFL franchise. The Lions are a no for me. So uh, the Jaguars are the lowest right now. And uh, I mean, oh, actually, no, the Raiders are. Here's here's what I'll do. Here's what I'd do. Since the Blues just won the Stanley Cup, I would buy a new franchise and bring an NFL team back to St. Louis. I'm going to tell you something. They don't want an NFL team. When I was out there, they weren't salty at all. They just did. They are a baseball team. City. All right, so I am not going to bring football back to and, St. Louis. And they were so disgusted at the the fact that the government there, their local government, put so much money into a stadium and took out like money for taxes and stuff that they're, it, there's kind of a sour taste from what I remember talking to people about when I was out there about three years ago. So, um, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. But also Tampa Bay news, you brought up, you know, you might – Want to buy the Bucks? Did you see that the Tampa Bay Rays are looking oh, into yeah. sharing time in Montreal? Yeah, I mean that would be wild. Play half the se- half the fir- first half of the season in Tampa Bay, second half of the season in Montreal, or vice versa, split the season. I mean, that would be kind of rude to the fans of both cities, to be honest. Like, oh, we have to share a team, but it does bring up the fun point of if that was to happen, what would their team name be? What would you name them, Sandro? I saw some pretty good Twitter ones, like the X-rays. I, I haven't, I haven't thought of this at all. Uh, I like that one, the X-rays. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. There's, like, are there? Uh, I mean, they're the Tampa Bay Rays now, right? Yes, they, and we had the they, Montreal Expos. Yeah. So, I mean, is there like a native animal for both in Montreal and Tampa? I could not tell you. Um, I mean, you could just call them the Devil Rays again. Why not? Just the Maple Rays. The Maple Rays. There right. we go. That's a that's a good pick. I I honestly don't know. It, it's funny because we're getting into a discussion recently in the fantasy world of should the fantasy baseball season be broken up between two seasons? Uh, Lenny Melnick, friend of the show, has brought up uh, that he's a big fan of doing a first half league, a second half league, and then the winner of the overall leagues is the combined score of both. So I'm not sure exactly what the tiebreaker is in that instance, but this is kind of like bringing fantasy baseball 
to a reality. And my biggest question is, are these parks going to be different in size? So, you know, you have a park like Yankee Stadium where there's some high school fields that have a further, you know, outfield than than the, this major league stadium. So Correct. will home runs be aff- impacted by these rays? Are you going to not want them or are you going to want to trade them when they move to their new home? Right. And also, will Montreal play in the AL or the NL? Because that brings up the DH and if the pitcher will hit and situations like that. And that also has a fantasy impact. Well, I think if you're the, the Rays are in the AL right now, so mm-hmm. you would have to keep it, keep them there because if they, if they were playing the same season, it's, it's hard to move them into a new, a new division. Cause they're, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine they would just stay and it's kind of like, Hey, we're, right. but what do you name them? What do you get? What merchandise, what do you put on the merchandise? Right. Like, the, do you have like us Canada the team <laughs> and like on the back, like the Rays blue, like I'm not a fan of this. I mean, I, I'm totally against it. I wonder if they'll actually go through with it. All I know is they were granted permission to explore this idea. I think it would be kind of foolish, but then again, you look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They're one of the best teams right now in baseball, but nobody is still showing up for their games in Tampa Bay. Like, their stands are still empty, so maybe they do have some merit here in playing half a season in Montreal because maybe they'll get more fans. And at the end of the day, like I am, one day I'll be a future, you know, franchise owner. It's all about ticket sales at the end of the day, and if your team's not selling tickets, you got to change something. Yeah, overall, I don't, I don't really like this idea um, from a from a standpoint of, you know, where do players live? How do they raise their families? Uh, they're, they're, sometimes we question players when they leave a current situation. This is all sports, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with family members. You know, these, these players have uh, children and wives, and of course, the, some of their spouses want, you know, careers of their own, so some players opt out of certain situations uh, for for those cases, I, it would be very hard for a older player who's kind of set in their family ways to be on a team that splits time, um, you know, in their lives. But let's stay in baseball. Did you see the the update to the David Ortiz shooting? That it was a mistaken identity. Yeah, absolute I, BS. Yes, I agree. I mean, when <laughs> if you're on trial uh, in the Dominican Republic. I mean, anywhere, and you're you're up for murder charges, and they say, "Hey, look, you attempted to assassinate one of the most beloved baseball players of all time." He's a top three figure in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, you definitely pivot to the guy, the nobody that was sitting next to him, and blame it on a blurry photo. I, I mean, I I don't, I really don't believe this guy. Um, it's yeah, this is just a an outrage. <laughs> The the Dominican Republic right now has been kind of under scrutiny because there are all these uh, tourists who are also like dying in hotels, Um, don't know the causes of it, but it's become a pretty shady situation there. I mean, I love the Dominican Republic. I mean, Punta Cana is in the Dominican Republic. It's a great vacation spot. I have a lot of friends who are Dominican and um, I don't know, it's kind of weird to see this, but like the BS that it was a mistaken identity is just wild. I mean... People in the Dominican Republic grow up with David Ortiz as like one of their gods. Yeah, the suspect said he was sent only a uh, blurry photo of the friend identified as Sixto David Fernandez, who was wearing clothes similar to Ortiz that night. And uh, that's why there was the mistake in in shooting Ortiz. Um, Yeah, that's this is a lie. I mean, lock this man away for life. Yeah, um, (laughs) I, I can't believe I mean, it, it was. Do you think that was his lawyer? Like, hey, you can get away with this if you blame it on, uh, you know, you made a mistake because you're a fool. Probably. I mean, it was probably the only option he had. Everything else was just there. It was like facts. I mean, he's got the entire nation and, like, on top of that, the entire United States against him. So, um, is if his only option was mistaken identity, then he's lost. It's do, a lost cause. Do you think he gets less time in jail? Because he's, he's definitely going to serve time in jail for this. I think he's going to serve less time in jail, but then he will be killed in jail. Okay, that's valid. Uh, on that note, <laughs> National Selfie Day. 
That's today's top three. Selfie with a C because we're talking about jail. C E L. Yes. <laughs> Who do we want to take pictures of in jail? In jail. <laughs> Who's locked up right now? We want to take photos with. <laughs> no. So we'll we'll just. I, I mean, I don't have a list with people in jail. Speaking of jail, recently released O J Simpson making a huge push on Twitter. Dude, I, I'm not gonna follow him. Nope, I, I have not either. Um, this is kind of like the Donald Trump effect for me. Like I don't follow Trump, but enough people retweet the crazy stuff he says that it's kind of like I follow him. I feel like that's the same thing with OJ for me. I'm not going to follow him, but I'm sure the, uh, the masses will retweet and keep me up to date and aware of what I need to know of what he's talking about. Right. But you definitely should follow Sandro on Twitter and Instagram at only Sandro. You can follow me at both at Anisri 23. That's A N I S R I 23. And trending on Twitter is national selfie day. Like Sandro brought up. So we're going to do our annual Friday friends top three here with the top three people we would want to take a selfie with. So kick it off. Sandro Who's your number three. Mine is Zion. The guy's in the news was just drafted number one. That guy's got a great smile. I want a selfie with my boy Zion. That's that's very interesting. I mean, there would be a very large height discrimination there. I think it'd be pretty funny, but it'd be cool. I mean, you're you're a New Orleans guy too, so I mean, yeah, you're your number one draft pick, future bust, but I can see that. Just to clarify, I'm a Saints fan. I don't know if I'm a Pelicans fan. I don't think I could get behind a team called the Pelicans. Why not? Their mascot is amazing. Uh, I don't... Whatever. All right, my number three, I'm going to go with my favorite rapper, J. Cole. Yeah, hopefully one day friend of the program. Definitely a Friday friend. I usually kick off my Fridays listening to some J. Cole on my Amazon Alexa. So um, J. Cole, number three for me. All right, so my number two, I'm staying in New Orleans. Drew Brees, I got to get a selfie with my guy, future Hall of Famer. This, this guy's the reason why the Saints are they're so great. It's, he's, he's just a great athlete. He does a lot for the community. That's my boy, Drew Brees. All right, my number two, I'm going to go with Rihanna. I'm staying in the music world. She is the queen. Um, we might lose listeners now after what I'm about to say, but I will take Rihanna over Beyonce any day of the week. So um, Rihanna would be my number two. Easy. Easy. All right. And my number one, another guy who's been in the news lately, Keanu Reeves. This guy will not touch me in the photo. I love that he doesn't (laughs) touch people in photos and that this is a thing. We talked about it last week. You can listen to future podcasts by just going to uh, both of our Twitters. I'm at only Sandro and he, Ani, is at anishri23. You can email us at FridayFriendsEmail at gmail.com if you don't know where to find the links. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with Keanu Reeves. Just like I said, he's not going to touch me. He, I saw him in a, a movie on Netflix. I, f- I forget what it's called, but he had a pretty funny Always cameo. Always be my maybe. Yeah, pretty good cameo. He is literally at the height of his career right now. I don't know why or, or how this is happening, but he is literally like the top celebrity in in the movie world right now. Yeah, it's actually pretty wild, but that's a good one. I mean, I would do it just to see if he would touch me or not. Similar to um, Howie Mandel, who's a judge in America's Got Talent, won't shake anybody's hand. So it's pretty interesting there. My number one, I mean, if you know me, you know who I'm going with here. It's going to be Matthew McConaughey, my favorite actor. I mean, he also seems like an absolutely, genuinely nice guy. And I think I do like a selfie. I tell him I'm doing a selfie photo, but I actually do a video so he speaks. So I get his accent in there as well. And then I'd save that forever and watch it every night before I go to sleep. Honorable mention here, probably coming in at number four for me, Ricky Fowler. I know my buddy Peter Haley is um, going to be pumped that I mentioned Ricky here. But, yeah, I mean, he's just a bro. He's a bro of all bros. He, kill- he crushes it on the golf course and um, just seems like an also really nice guy. I love that you brought up the video thing with McConaughey um, because did you see that YouTube is looking to change the way that their videos stream? And uh, they're, they're having pushback because children – and this is to bad parenting. Look, I'm not a I'm not a parent, but if you put your child in front of a computer or an iPad or a phone for hours to to babysit, uh, that that's an issue. Kids are going to be blind by the age of nine years old. That's that's what I'm thinking. But it, it looks like YouTube is actually looking into uh, different methods for their streaming service because uh, there's been some trouble with 
how the videos constantly go into each other. There's no pause. Yep. And kids will be watching things, and then something un- inappropriate will come up. So they're they're actually weighing making a uh, maybe making a separate app where it's just YouTube Kids, where they'll keep the continual roll, or they're looking at having videos just stop uh, afterwards. So I, I'm I'm a little. I'm kind of uh, on the fence with this, just in general with YouTube stopping the the continuous roll. Because sometimes I like to just put YouTube on. I'll get stuck in a wormhole, and you know I I don't want to sit there and have to click continue multiple times. But I understand for children's safety, you know, you don't want them watching something that's inappropriate. You know, uh, Ani and I are thinking of making a video portion of this podcast. I don't know if children want to see us, and if we're going to be influencing them well. I mean. I, I am not a model citizen for children. Uh, if Ani, we start video broadcasting this, don't worry. People's top three will have Ani323 in their top three of people they want to take a selfie with. I mean, obviously, they'll want to do that. But um, before YouTube does any of this, they got to fix the, if I'm listening to a song on YouTube and I lock my phone, I need it to keep playing. So... And I don't want to pay a premium subscription for uh, it. Okay, so that's the thing. I, I thought you could do that if you paid. I, I don't know if you can because I'm not going to pay for premium YouTube. And I, I agree. I'm not going to pay for it either. I'm not, uh, I'm not locked into YouTube. Uh, I'm not, I don't have $100 billion yet. But you know what? The, what, are you, what are you listening to YouTube? What are you listening to on YouTube that you needed to continually play? Well, sometimes there's like remixes of songs that aren't available on Spotify or Pandora, and I have to go to YouTube to listen to them. And I'm a sucker for music videos, man. Like, I love music videos, so I go there for that. Or if I'm listening to just like a speech. Like, I love listening to Matthew McConaughey's best actor speech. It's inspirational. You know, it gets me going. So like... The Jimmy V speech. I have to go to YouTube to watch that, but like, I don't want to be watching that video because I've I've seen it before. I want to just put the speech on, lock my phone, and then you know continue on with my day. I didn't even know music videos were still a thing. I think we're gonna have to shoot a music video for Friday, friends. Don't worry, I'll write up the script and everything. Perfect. As long as I have minimal parts, I think it will be all right. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. I mean, YouTube hasn't done anything yet. It's just a an idea that that has popped up out there, and um, uh, we're getting to the the point in the show where we're gonna wrap up. I I just wanted to finish with one last story, and this is a Florida story. I mean, of uh, course, a typical Florida story. Uh, a small town in uh, Florida was uh, held uh, for ransom and uh, was asking for Bitcoin to be their payment. Um, what? Apparently, um, you know, a hacker got into their system and it was because an employee clicked on an email that they shouldn't have. It was a phishing email. Of course. And now the, uh, the city in Florida has, um, has to pay and they've actually agreed. So it's about $600,000 in, in ransom, which equals to about 65 bitcoins. Uh, the city is planning on paying it, and then they they are gonna kind of do an investigation. It's a very small city. I don't even I don't even see the name of it in this article, but it's about eighty miles away from Miami. So, real quick, I want to ask you: Have you ever hacked a roommate or a friend's phone, or like a Facebook account or anything? Yeah, absolutely. I hacked my roommate Esteban's phone last weekend. Actually, we were coming back Friday night from a bar, and um, he said we had to wake up early at eight thirty a.m. to watch uh, to play some golf. And I just didn't want to wake up that early in the morning, so I found him asleep on the couch here. I got into his phone and turned off all his alarms. <laughs> that's so if all- that counts, then I have. Yes, no, that, that's awesome. I uh, I actually love that because that's the opposite of like you know posting on someone's Facebook status that like. I'm sure I've done that in like middle school and high school when like Facebook was an actual thing. I think Facebook's just like dead now. And I think I've done that to um, possibly John Jansen on Twitter because he might have left it logged on once and I just made him follow me on Twitter. I did the same thing. And I made him tweet like I love the Redskins and I hate the Eagles. But that's about it. So I didn't go that far. Um, Shout out to the Philly guy, John Jansen, JJ. Um, Yeah, I, I followed myself through his account. And then he just never unfollowed me, which was great. Um, what I what I did do once is at a concert. Uh, people were 
just passed out in in their cars, like tailgating. And I, 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 you know, I was drunk, so I was. I thought it was a great idea to just pick up random people's phones, iPhones. You could still, even though the phone is locked, you could still take pictures. Correct. So I would take a picture of myself, like standing next to them. Oh, I've done that too. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely done that. So I and. I'm sorry to anyone I did that to. Uh, looking back at it, I I wouldn't really appreciate that, but I'd probably post it and be like, "Who's this fool on my on my camera roll?" But uh, yeah, that that's as far as I've hacked. I've never, I mean, I've never done anything to to hurt anyone. Yeah, no, I, same. Yeah, I, yeah, no. I just thought it was funny that this guy, uh, and of course, it's in Florida where he kind of just like took over the system and. You know, it sucks for the local city because the local police department and the, uh, you know, hospitals had to actually put everything down on paper um, and they, they couldn't call in like any like citations or anything. So everything was done by paper. And I think they might be back to putting stuff on the computer. But after doing everything by hand, now they have to physically type everything back in. So it's, uh, it's definitely a nuisance on the city. Yeah. Are you going to have a career in hacking? Probably not. If I was very good at hacking, I think I'd be super rich by now because I think that's something like the FBI, NSA, they really like when you like to like hack into other hackers or identify hackers. So I wish I was good at it, but I sadly am not. Well, if you if you brush up on your hacking skills, you'll definitely be closer to buying that franchise you want. And two, don't they make you slaves to the, like this the government? If you're really good at hacking, they throw you in a jail cell, they watch you 24 hours a day, and they, they just poke you with a stick. Hey, we need you to figure out who's hacking right now. Yeah, I think something like that. All right. Well, uh, that that could be a new career for Ani. Um, uh, do you have anything else you want to add to, to today's podcast? Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of sports this weekend, even though the NBA and NHL season have come to a conclusion. We've got the round of 16 starting in the Women's World Cup. The U.S. will take on Spain on Monday. We've got the Cricket World Cup going on as well. India will be playing Afghanistan tomorrow, and New Zealand plays the West Indies on Sunday. Um, My dad actually listened to the podcast and was upset I didn't mention the Cricket World Cup last week, so here's me doing it this week, but that's about it. I'm going to go and play some golf later today, and hopefully I don't uh, break another driver. I love it, and if your dad's upset or anyone's upset, or even if you like the show... I mean, we do have an email address, and it's a little complicated, but it's the best email I could come up with. Friday friends, email at gmail.com. You could always shoot us a tweet. I'm at OnlySandro. Ani's at AniShree23. We're both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thank you, Dan Servadidio, for hopping on. Really appreciate it. You can find all his work on Twitter at Dan underscore Servodidio, S-E-R-V-O, D-I-D-I-O. We call him Servo for short. He uh, contributes to Fantasy Alarm and Wager Alarm. Next week, we will not be here. We, uh, we're we on vacation, baby. I will be at Ocean City, Maryland next weekend on vacation. And um, have a good time. Yeah, and we'll also be at a, a very special fantasy football event in New York. Um we will tell you all about it, I guess, next week if anything yeah. big comes up. Um, hoping to uh, run into a lot of the people we work with at our uh, you know, other job. But, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you uh, in two weeks.